Hello, hello, it's me, Kezia, the Deputy Editor of Professional Beauty, back with another episode of the Pro Beauty Pod. In this week's episode, I sat down with CEO of Startup Mindstream, Freddie Morose. We discuss music as a tool for mental health and how it can enhance the experience of your space and even build your brand. Freddie believes that music in the wellness space should be approached with the same level of curation and professionalism as something like sensecaping or nutrition and that's exactly what he's doing with Startup Mindstream. So check out Mindstream on Instagram and get in touch with Freddie if you have any questions and want to collaborate on some incredible spa salon music. As always, don't forget to like, rate and subscribe and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, Freddie. Hi, Kezia. Hi, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm fantastic. It's great to speak to you and thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It'd be amazing, actually, um, if you would tell us a little bit about yourself and your very interesting startup would you say or company mindstream thank you very much and thank you for having me yes so my name is freddie moros i am ceo of mindstream that's mindstream with a y uh, which i have to always clarify (laughs) because i didn't think about that one when i was naming it but there we are Um, and we essentially create and design music for health and well-being settings Uh, i would probably class us as a startup just because we have a small team, um, although we do punch a little bit above our weight. We've been around for about four or five years now, and we have a fairly established consumer-facing business. So we're one of the most well-trafficked and established music companies across all the major streaming platforms uh, for specific mood modalities, so meditation, yoga, uh, sleep music. But one of the the most startup aspect of our business, if if you want to call it that way, is um, our B2B side, which is very much a a new component, something that we're very excited about, something we've been working on for about 18 months to um, two years now. And it's really the idea of this music that we've been creating and and distributing globally for for a while uh, that we know is of a certain quality. And we work with some very high profile and artists in this space to deliver very high quality music. We know that it's very well trafficked, um, the music of this type, across a lot of different uh, enterprise spaces um, or B2B locations. But often the programming methodology in order to create and deliver very high impact music of that type doesn't necessarily have the same level of professionalism in this particular space of health and wellness as you find in other areas. hospitality even uh that's something which is so adjacent you know there's such a level of programming behind what music appears in fmb in order to encourage the sale of drinks as opposed to uh, mm. uh getting people to pay for locations for instance there's, there's a science behind it because it's psychology that's understood uh in the programming but that doesn't necessarily come into the design of audio environments within spa and wellness for example even though they are almost uh intertwined within hospitality uh, in, in a lot of um, a lot of areas so for us a, a huge priority was on the b2b side how can we leverage our professionalism and understanding of how to create this very high impact um, mood music for lack of a better word and then make sure it's programmed with a professionalism that's deserved uh, within the b2b spaces where it's pervasively utilized and that can be from spa to schools to hospitals uh, anywhere where there's a sort of health and wellness component and the music for us, the key distinction is it's, it's not entertainment in these spaces. Uh, music we often think of as art or, or entertainment, thinking that something is kind of um, very much personal use and, enjoy, and enjoyment. In this particular field, it's not entertainment. It's a utility. It's a tool to elicit a certain health or wellness outcome. And so it has to be treated with a level of obligation, responsibility and respect to program in a way that gets the most out of it. You're looking to maximize and optimize uh, the value it can accrete to the overall physiological or hormonal reaction that you're creating through the music. Oh, that's so, in- that is really, really interesting. So it's like functional music, I guess. 
or... I should start that. Maybe you should do the intros instead. I think you summed it up perfectly in just one word. Functional music, that's exactly it. Yeah. It's, it's my job, you know. No, that's, that's, that is absolutely fascinating. And I know that obviously there's been so many studies, I'm sure clinical studies as well as just kind of, you know, general studies around the impact of music and how it impacts the mind and mental health, but not even just mental health, how it it impacts and changes the way you're thinking, the way you're reacting, your, you know, how triggered you might get. Mm-hmm. So how would you say um, music impacts the mind for, to start with? I think the, the really interesting thing is that there's, there's two schools of sort of um, work in this particular area. There's certainly the, the clinical studies that are ongoing and, and where you're beginning to build up a, a body of literature and understanding of exactly the data points to answer that question yeah. and then there's also anecdotal lived experience because we're work, we're working with an asset here music that's used and understood by almost everyone you know you'll have your own experiences with music you'll experience that kind of uh, i don't know for everything from being in a sad moment where you play sad music and you really dive into those uh, those feelings versus you know going into a, uh, a club and then getting some upbeat music and you feel almost connected to everyone around you yeah. and it changes your mood completely and those are you know, lived anecdotal experiences. And from there, you can immediately tell anyone, I know music changes my emotion and mood because I felt it. But that's one That's one aspect. The other is is understanding, you know, the neuroscience, the understanding the actual um, hormonal and physiological elements of, uh, of what music can do to actually influence your biological responses. And that's you know the the literature there is absolutely there it's growing it's it, there is certainly evidence uh, behind it and understanding behind it um certainly in certain communities i'd say that, that, that music's been researched in a little bit more detail so um often uh, a lot of the literature is around um alzheimer's or dementia patients within mm. the care homes there's been a lot of research into that particular field uh, autism as another uh, community who utilize music the, uh, the value that um, it creates it's, it's understood a little bit more blind uh, community is another area where uh, music literature is a little bit more well defined um, but mass market research um, often I think the audio is kind of left to more of a general sort of uh, base yeah. much more in terms of you know, we understand that music has value and we know that it can improve memory, for instance, or we know that uh, it can regulate or change mood or, or various different aspects that have been found. But quite often, the thing which I find really interesting is um, when you compare it to equivalent fields. So uh, let's say um, uh, food, which is which is one of the ones I, I really enjoy comparing audio to because uh, food is a far more developed and understood science, nutrition completely yeah. understood science uh well i say completely not completely unless my wife would my wife's a nutritionist so she would she would slap me over the wrist for saying that but i did develop a course of the times but it's further down down the road you, you know as a nutritionist you understand what gluten is you can create a nutritional value to that you can provide that as a framework to a chef to be able to create their recipes within and then as a user you can identify okay you know i'm intolerant to gluten therefore i won't pick that particular recipe because it won't work for me Mm-hmm. That framework doesn't exist for music. It doesn't exist for audio at all. Um, but we know that there are different audio frequencies, sounds. Uh, every but we know there's there's a compositional recipe, if you want to call it that way, that makes up uh, an, an audio track. Um, and we know that different things within that will respond differently to different people. So if you, were, for instance, have an audio processing disorder, let's say you're on the autism spectrum, you will process audio differently to someone who's neurotypical, for instance. So mm. we know there's that kind of intolerance aspect. We know that there are different components within composition that could be potentially pulled as levers to then create a soundtrack that is befitting of a particular mood outcome so or a particular modality, let's say, to try and elicit sleep. Uh, we know that music improves uh, sleep, for instance. We know that that's something which it can help. It's a, it's a great sleep tool. It's very highly trafficked in the consumer field. It's becoming mm-hmm. more so on the B2B field. Um, our number one musician or artist on our label is, is a chap named um, Chuck Wild, a.k.a. Liquid Mind. And he's the most commercially successful sleep musician. Uh, yeah. of the time. He, we, we understand through the data points of how people come and stream his music, the you know, anecdotes we receive of people who have streamed it and how it's helped them that clearly there's value there. But what we don't understand and what we can't give to Chuck at this particular moment in time is if you create music within this particular parameters to do this, 
this is what the outcome will be. You know, we don't have that framework, that sort of scientific approach to it. And that's something that we need to build. And we are, you know, we have uh, research partners who we're building it with. We're doing some great studies with uh, a laboratory called Sleep Score Labs out in San Diego, specifically to understand sleep music. And the idea being, you know, could we as a label to someone like Liquid Mind act like a nutritionist does to a chef? You know, we never tell Liquid Mind, oh, don't use this or don't do that or don't create music in a certain way. Of course, be creative, but provide him with the tools he needs to understand, okay, zero beat is positive to increase sleep latency in this particular demographic versus, mm. you know, this type of frequency. There's, I'm, I'm speaking uh, hyperbole now because I don't know exactly what, which ones work for what. But if we get to that point through the research, all of a sudden you, you go from having, again, this art form into this utilitarian approach to music, which then makes yeah. it much more personalized, much more uh, valuable, um, and you can optimize various different outcomes as a result of it. Interesting. So it's almost like kind of I've become very interested in biohacking or the concept of biohacking, but like using music as like a biohacking tool to, you know, change. Like you were mentioning hormones, which I found interesting. Obviously, I guess dopamine is is dopamine class as a hormone. It's happy hormone. People call it, don't they? So Yeah. But yeah, that's super, super interesting. And as someone with like, I have ADHD and when I listen to, it's it's kind of like a procrastination paralysis. I think a lot of neuro um, diverse people get into where you become overwhelmed and sometimes, and I forget, I genuinely forget that if I put on music, I'll be able to get out of it. But it's like taking that step to kind of be like, okay, just put on some music and then I can kind of really function a lot better. Like it's crazy. But then also the way that the world works, you can't. I remember when I was in one of my first jobs, I used to get things thrown at me because (laughs) I'd have my music blasting so loud and I'd be working so, so, so fast, but nobody could, like, I couldn't hear anyone. But yeah, I, I can... I can definitely see and attest that music is definitely a tool that can completely change your mind um, and get you to function in a different way and get you to behave differently. Just, just to pick up on a comment you made there, because I think it's super important, because one of the big things that we're, we're trying to figure out here is the perception right, of, of music as a tool. And, and I think what you just said there is, as someone who has ADHD and work in a work environment and you with your headphones in concentrating and blaring through and managing to get tasks done but then almost uh, and maybe, maybe maybe this is me reading into how you're saying it to try and get the point across that i want to get it across, but what it sounded like to me was you know there's almost a stigma attached for you having those headphones in and people not being able to communicate with you but actually if you if they were to take a step back and realize that you're utilizing music as a tool to be as productive as possible so you're doing your work as yeah. well as you can because as an ADHD person, if they start throwing more things at you, your mind's going to go trying to help them or whatever exactly. they're doing. And then, and then you know, you're sort of, you're constantly you know, being thrown and tw- you know, torn each way. Um, it's just, a, it, it's that almost that, it's a messaging uh, aspect to it more so than a product thing because you already probably very well know to some degree, this music is probably better for you to help you focus than other music. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there was a study uh, run as this is in a clinical trial, but it was a, an anecdotal um, feedback test uh, that was done in hospitality, not around music, but around uh, self-selection. Um, and it was specifically mm. around selecting pillows. There was, a, there was a luxury hotel that allowed you to select the firmness of your pillow. And they measured your sleep improvement based off of whether or not you selected. So if you went in and said, you know, I love soft pillows versus I like hard pillows. And they were like, uh, eight different pillows. I can't remember how many pillows. There's a lot of pillows. Um, <laughs> you selected the pillow that you felt was going to be best for you. It was a significant number of people who went through that selection process, found they had a worse night's sleep than a professional than selecting what pillow you should be sleeping to based off a couple uh. of very so even though we we always kind of think that we know ourselves it comes down to that age old adage sometimes the data doesn't lie and uh you know sometimes people when you have a professional curating for you a particular experience sometimes it's best just to lean into that but that being said not to take away the fact that you certainly will know um better than baseline how what might music will improve your your focus for instance um, yeah I, I don't think i've I, and i think a lot of people haven't really worked that out um 
there are focus playlists, I guess, um, that Spotify has and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, you can, if you are, I think you, if you are neurodiverse, the type of music that you listen to is incredibly important because I can easily get very distracted by something. Say if I'm listening to new music, or I'm trying to take that experience in with half my brain, then um, that will pull me out of it. But if it's something that I know very, very well, then like, it, I can kind of, it's easier to get into like a flow state, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's interesting, and it's, it's different for different people and for different outcomes. So like uh, going to focus versus sleep, uh, for instance, the type of music you need to be listening to and the familiarity of that music is a critical factor in it. Mm. A lot of people immediately go back to and say, okay, well, you know, maybe I should be listening to classical music to help me uh, do whatever it is. If it's like a, a mood modality that is focus or sleep, usually not meditation or yoga, they tend to go toward new age or ambient, but classical is something which comes up time and time again. But there was a study run not too, not too long ago, which was found that actually the complexities of classical music is actually detrimental uh, to a lot of that kind yeah. of, uh, type of uh, modality and outcome. So it's, it's understanding the layers and a lot of it because of um, familiarity as well. If you're someone who is a, for instance, if you're a jazz pianist, you do not listen to jazz music when you're trying to sleep, right? Because no. you're immediately being sort of taken into things you're super familiar with, uh, you understand and you analyze and you want to know more about and you, you pick them apart. So it'd be like, it'd be the worst thing that a jazz uh, someone could do if they're a jazz pianist to try and listen to jazz music to try and go to sleep. But, and again, if you're someone who knows a lot of classical music, you should probably stick clear, clear of classical music to try and fall asleep to, but maybe it's uh, ambient music, which has a very different kind of makeup and, and architecture that could help you in, in your sort of outcome. So it's it's your lived experiences coming into it. It's also the uh, the sort of the science behind what those outcomes can achieve, as well as also a whole bunch of things. But mm. the, the the complexity around uh, music for uh, this functional music, is, as you as you so aptly called it at the beginning of this this chat. Um, is that people come into it with preference, they come into it with experience, and they also come into it with an element of, look, I know what music I want to play for myself, so therefore I'm going to play whatever music I want to. But the, the question that I love asking and challenging people with is, is it actually the optimal music for a particular moment, or could we do better? Uh, and the only way to really understand that is is research. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, and obviously now we're on the Professional Beauty Podcast. So... As someone who has a lot of access to going to visit clinics, going to visit spas, um, I'm very lucky I get to try a lot of things and try a lot of experiences. And it's not something I've not actually thought that much about the music until I went. It was actually one of my favourite places ever to go and get a facial with one of my favourite facialists. But we were just chatting away whilst I was having this facial and I think they must have had a Spotify playlist on and um, it was so, I don't know what it was, but it was so random, like one minute it was like techno and she was so in the zone of doing my facial. But then I just started like, I was just cracking up. Yeah. So I was like, can you hear what's going on? Like <laughs> the, the variation of music and she was so in the zone, but like, mm. and so was I for most of it. And it was fine because we were kind of friends, you know, it doesn't matter. Sure. But um, yeah, it was, um, it really pulled me out of the, the kind of relaxing spa moment, even though it wasn't really, I wasn't really having like a typical relaxing spa moment because I'm a journalist and, you know, but sure. Yeah, it was it was really funny. But then I started thinking definitely about the importance of music in um, spa and salon settings. Yeah, and how that can really enhance the experience. And I'd love to hear you talk about that for a second. Yeah, I'd love to. I appreciate it. That's a great story. And, you know, it's not uncommon, uh, unfortunately. This is yeah. one of the, when I come back to saying, you know, the set curate with the level of professionalism, this is what I mean. I mean, People rely on playlists that are curated for them by people who aren't in this world. They aren't. Yeah, they're not in that industry. Not in the industry. They're not even curating for the industry. When you look at how audio functions, it is very much a complementary component to something else. It's Mm -hmm. very rarely utilized in isolation. You don't often, in an enterprise environment, just listen to audio and that's it. It's usually a soundtrack to an aromatherapy or it's a soundtrack to a touch therapy or a light therapy or something else is the kind of the main course and we are the the wine to pair with it as it were but you know you can you can become you can do it very wrong and you can do it very right and when you do it very right you get all of these um extreme experiential 
value benefits to the to the guest to the person who's going through the experience and so when i'm when i'm talking about that i mean like um if you have a particular aromatherapy blend for instance and we've mm. privileged to work with a few um great aromatherapy companies uh, to do this but let's say you you actually sort of take apart the ingredients of where they've sourced these ingredients you, they put the blend together they have intention behind that blend maybe they're looking to elicit a particular mood outcome uh let's say to recharge um mm-hmm. and what we've done, and an example of this is, is, a, is a brand called Sprig, um, who are a new entrant to the space. They are a part of a cola group um, out in the US, uh, based out of Wisconsin. Lovely, lovely people and lovely product, uh, which is why we like them so much. Um, mm-hmm. and after we sort of experienced that, we worked with them to say, okay, well, you've gone to these specific regions to source these different ingredients and create a particular blend. There's intention behind every aspect of that journey, and you've ended up with a great product. So from an audio perspective, we looked at that and we then mapped it to say, okay, well, let's utilize instrumentation native to that region, native to that region. Let's then create a soundtrack that is specific to this particular blend and that evokes the emotion that you're looking for. Because you can wow. over the hood of it. And then when you have that, not only are you using audio as something that's not going to falter, it's not going to be a problem. It's not going to come up with techno in the middle and be distracting and make it, you know, as, as lovely it is that you have your friend that you could have a laugh with, which is great. I'm glad you had a, a positive experience out of something that could have been a negative. Oh, yeah, definitely. You really want to make sure that you're using audio not only to make sure it's not detracting. You want to be something which is adding value and creating something unique and memorable. And, and when you get into the hood of what you can do with audio, not only can you elevate product experiences like creating bespoke soundtracks to uh, heighten the the actual experience of an aromatherapy, for instance, but you could, if, if you if you really think about it strategically, you can use it to enhance your brand, to utilize uh, memory triggers that are experiential for a particular moment that you can then use as touch points to bring guests back. So mm-hmm. increase brand recall. I mean, there's so many examples in mainstream um, audio provision or supervision, like in advertising, um, film, TV, where audio becomes an incredibly useful marketing resource. Audio can be something that at the worst, is just in the background and you know can be actually harmful uh, to an experience. That's at the absolute worst. At the best, it can, can have extreme value to a branding experience and a product experience, and it can bring guests back. On a kind of micro level, on a small brand level, you're saying that having unique music to that particular salon or spa can really create repeat customers and build that experience i mean like as, as a sort of a big picture example so so creating that jingle that's essentially called a, a sonic motif or a sonic mnemonic if you want to go into like the logo format so mm-hmm. actually i preface our experience prior to being a uh, a music for wellness company as it were with mindstream that we're part of a larger organization called cutting edge group which is the largest independent provider of music for film tv advertising gaming wow 150 soundtracks a year. We're partnered to Netflix, Amazon, Apple, all the all the big players. Um, get that quiet. <laughs> yeah, get that one a little bit on the back burner. But essentially, a lot of our experience comes, and the reason why we're so um, passionate about professionalism is on the entertainment media side. There is a very professional series of um, professions, and the whole value chain of music provided to fit media is thought out completely, completely. Yeah. From the rights uh, distribution through to the supervision, to the delivery, everything is just understood and the roles are completely established. That isn't the case within health and wellness as we've spoken about. But when you look at parallels, they, they, they function very similarly. So um, as an example, I, I, I spoke briefly at Spa Life a couple of weeks ago. And I gave mm-hmm. an example of, of um, Coca-Cola, which is, which is a while ago, uh, in terms of how they have utilized Sonic branding to great um, to great effect. Um, and, you know, they did the um, before the uh, of the World Cup back in 2010. So this is a while ago. So this is a, an early example of, of how valuable Sonic branding can be. They had their Sonic logo um, go into the the main song for the World Cup by Kanan, Waving Flag. Um, which it, listen to it if if anyone hasn't heard it. It's a great example. But um, their Sonic logo is do 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 do, and then Kanan essentially went on from it and went do 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 do. And that was essentially the hook, right? And yeah. um, what they found from that is, first of all, they spent three hundred million dollars on this com- campaign. So this is this is not small figures, and we'll bring it back down to how the sort of the actual average Joe can help uh, deliver from audio. Not everyone has to have Coca Cola budgets to be able to make this work. No. 
at this level, you can, you can see why. Directly, uh, they went on record to say that they generated additional 5% direct sales as a result of uh, that particular campaign, which wow. now that you're a Coca-Cola budget, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of additional revenue as a result of an audio campaign. Uh, secondly, and that was just in a single quarter, a quarter over quarter. Secondly to that, they had a 50% net share in the revenue and receipts, uh, the royalty receipts for Canaan's streaming uh, song, so, uh, for the actual song itself, Waving Flag. So the, the value that they generated wasn't only that they were looking to sell more Coke cans, but they were able to uh, essentially generate royalties in a completely new format. So not only were they now at the single at the point of sale, here's a product, thank you for your cash. Now they are generating an annuity that will continue to earn today. So now that you've looked up Waving Flag, you've just given Coke a little fraction of a cent. Uh, so uh, there you go. Um, but then also what they were able to do one step beyond that is because music is, you know, we talked about being able to do different version of a master recordings, essentially, mm -hmm. on the same track. That do 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 they can then do into different languages, into different recuts, into different styles. Yeah. And they, did, they did 18 different versions of the celebration mix that were re relevant to different cultures. So genius, first of all, Coca-Cola, well done. Uh, of course, they are, of course, fantastic at marketing. But coming back down to, to what that means to an individual location. Now, if you're, let's say you're a luxury brand and you have multiple locations in, in different territories around the world, what does audio branding mean to you, right? Uh, you don't want probably a song like Coca-Cola's Waving Flag or Canaan's Waving Flag uh, with Coke's logo in it. What you want is you want something that is maybe a sonic motif, maybe something that's um, very regular to you, that fits your brand, that is the ethos and the essence. And then we would play with that particular thing to fit different product locations. So it's a recurring thematic melody, as it were, a motif. And it doesn't have to be five notes. It can be 30 seconds. It can be a minute, something to riff off of that's unique to your style that makes sure it embodies. And people who do this very well in the film world are people like Hans Zimmer, right? You start mm -hmm. at the very beginning, you create the theme for, uh, you know, Inception and it, you know, one big track that embodies that theme, time. Everyone knows what that track feels like, but throughout the two hours of music that underplays it, whilst you're not using the exact same recurring themes or sorry, recurring um, notes, the theme, the style, the, the vibe, it all is consistent, right? And you can do the same thing with a location and experience if you curate music properly. But what then becomes very exciting, particularly if you're in multi-locations, you can translate that theme then to be relevant to each region globally. So let's say you have a location in the UK versus the location in Mexico. Two very mm. different cultures, two very different bodies of musical expression, as it were, uh, different instrument beds, different um, ways of framing it different products that you may be looking to promote you know you can do you can adjust the audio then to then absolutely fit the culture but work up towards the brand and why that gets exciting is if you if, if you're looking at increasing touch points as as that luxury uh, location you know gifting music as an option to be able to take away from say let's say, say you just stayed in your your london location and you want to encourage your your london guests to then go experience another hotel of yours around the world maybe mexico let's use that example again you could gift them uh the the opportunity to listen to that music and feel the experience or maybe it's a whole media package or maybe it's mm -hmm. actually like a a teaser of a spa treatment that they may experience you know the the specific sense that you would find in that location with the soundtrack that transports them there for five minutes at the end of the treatment or while they're in the waiting room you know just just thinking or even like prescriptively you know like if you go in for a treatment and um or a massage or, what, or whatever it might be and it's connected to wellness and then that person says right take this piece of music away with yeah. you to relax to wind down to help you sleep or exactly exactly that's exactly what you can do with it um, but in order to do, to do that, in order for people to buy into why would I want to do that? You know, why, why is someone going to take some music offered by a therapist? The reason is that therapist is an expert at, and seen as an expert in that moment, right? As someone who understands exactly how to achieve a particular result that they're after. Maybe it's to help them relax. Maybe it's to help them recover. You know, whatever they're going to that spa treatment for or that particular uh, therapist for they're going there for advice and one of the things that therapists have been able to do really well is understand aromatherapy to say well this is going to be the perfect companion to achieve that particular result because they understand the blends they've taken the, the time to understand what these different fragrances may may come together to achieve why not audio 
It's as powerful as scents. Uh, and in fact, it can be used in tandem with scent uh, to create an even more uh, effective outcome. So where I wanna, what I really want to do is I want to empower the therapist to understand and have just small, simple things that they can provide to the guest to understand what they're getting, why it's more valuable to them, why they should think about it and listen to it, and why they should take it home with them to, to enjoy at a later date. And from a branding and commercial perspective, all of those then serve to be touch points in terms of memory anchors that make your experiences that you offer more unique and more valuable and um, you know, uh, more interesting um, that will make people want to come back and an ability to then brand or sell or, or, or sell the next trip, the next guest uh, experience as it were. So um, it's, trying to, it's trying to do both the commercial value, but also the only way you're going to deliver that commercial value is by elevating guest experience, in my opinion. Yeah. You've mentioned aromatherapy a few times, and I think that's really interesting because aromatherapy specifically, I went on a bit of a deep dive when I really started to get into um, like essential oils and stuff like that. But um, I was looking at like the most expensive essential oil to get, which I think is rose essential oil, because you have to have such a huge amount of rose petals to create one tiny tiny bottle and it like pure rose essential oil costs like 400 pounds or something like that it, it get, can get crazy but the reason why essential oils are so powerful is because of the vibration that they have they they you know it's it's thousands of plants condensed and squeezed down into one tiny bottle and mm. plants are living things and then they do have this vibration and that's why you can smell them I don't know if I'm talking complete crap but I think that's why you can smell them from so far away and they have such an instant mind um scent mind connection do you know what I mean sure. so music and aromatherapy and essential oils to me makes a lot of sense sure. and I think that's that's really fascinating and yeah. I, th I think when you're when you're looking at any of the senses, it's understanding, you know, and, and I, I appreciate you saying that because, you know, I, I work very closely with um, a lot of aromatherapy experts, but certainly I'm not one myself. So I, I'm, often, I'm often most of my job on a day to day basis is saying I don't really understand or know. And therefore, I, I try and surround <laughs> myself with as many people who do uh, as possible. So um, uh, it's interesting hearing exactly from from your perspective what, what makes aromatherapy so powerful. But, you know, as I when, I, when I'm working with some of our experts in, in terms of audio and, and, and understanding from scent what what's the equivalence and why is there so much value that they they, they kind of accrete together it's it's this ability to you know both of them are extremely transportative and powerful scents yeah. uh, scent specifically is is has this incredible capability to unlock um uh, experiential memories so often you you'll find that you associate particular senses a sense so i'm mixing up my uh <laughs> senses and scent uh, but Often you find that a scent is um, uh, it, it it sort of it tags uh, to a particular location, a particular mm. memory, formative in your particular life, um, and often it can evoke and, and rush back emotions that were understood or felt at that particular moment in time. Um, similarly, audio functions in a very in a very similar way, whereby um, music particularly formative music, the music you're listening to in your teens, for instance, uh, it often has a significantly more heightened impact and effect um, on emotional regulation or mo mood regulation um, than music you'll experience, you know, in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, which is why um, in, in a lot of the, the, the research done with uh, dementia patients in, in elderly care homes, it's, um, you know, you, you, may, you may have seen viral videos go across, you know, the various social platforms but you, you can definitely if you google uh, dementia patient uh, and music in youtube you'll find hosts of these videos where there are patients who seem almost locked in unable to communicate at all um you know really really difficult situation for the family and for themselves uh, suffering terribly playing music that they would have listened to in their early 20s you know late teens and they just unlock and they're able to sing you know, people yeah. are, are all of a sudden singing along to lyrics and remembering lyric for lyric everything. And there's a reason why, you know, when you teach your kids, you chant, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you know, all these different things. There's a, there's a reason why we utilize audio as a way to improve and elicit better outcomes with memory. Um, and the similar can be said for scent. The thing which I'm really excited about and one of the, the big trends 
2023 uh, from the Global Wellness Institute report of, of this year is, is multi-sensory. You know, how can yes. we utilize the two to come together to then create an even larger and greater outcome? And so that's why we, we spend a lot of time you know, speaking to our partners across the way who have a different sense that they're, uh, they're unlocking because we, we think there's value in doing it together. And we also, you know, particularly coming from the media side of things, you know, music plays well with others. We don't want to be played with in isolation. We want to make sure that we are the soundtrack to something. And that's where our experience of you know, being in film and TV has come really in handy because we, we never want to be, you know, one of the things which is different to creating music for film and TV versus creating music for, you know, popular consumption and entertainment, as it were, is within film and TV, you never want to be distracting. You never want to be, uh, you never want to take it away from a scene. You want to immerse. In yeah. It. And that's why I think there's such a, um, uh, you know, a transferable skill set for those composers to come across into wellness because they understand how to create really immersive experiences. I you know, affectionately refer to them as magical music moments on screen. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you know, when you experience them, you know, when you feel them, you feel that kind of um, that drawing in that kind of tension that comes out of it as a dramatic scene or that sort of heart, that heartiness if it's a lighthearted one. Um, and and you can do the same within experiences, but you have to understand, much like within film music, we get a set of director's notes. We know exactly what the director's trying to do. You know, we know what the the quote unquote brand values of the scene are. We know what the themes are that are applied by the main the main theme and composition that needs to be then interwoven throughout. And so, you know, there's a clear set of uh, there's a formula that you can play with. You know, you know exactly what you're looking to try and deliver. We're looking to create that exact same thing, but in order to do that, we need to know you know who's in the room. You know, it's a therapist delivering a particular treatment to elicit a particular outcome. How long is that going to be? You know, what are the ingredients they're looking to utilize? What essential oils? What is the lighting, the ambiance? What's the environment? Are we in a, you know, an Eastern style spa versus a Western style spa? Like, mm. all, these all those things are so important to the... understand it at the beginning because otherwise, you know, it's like a sausage maker, bad input, bad output, you know, it's actually mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. that simple. Um, but you have to have the level of strategy up front to ask the right questions, to then get the right responses and work in tandem to then create an outcome that's actually valuable <laughs> to the end guest experience. But absolutely, it has a huge impact on on what people are, are, are doing. And for me, I just can't understand that anyone who's, uh, you know, these, these locations who spend so much resource, time and, and capital investing in these beautiful locations and design and and the right essential oils and the best therapists that they can find and you know bringing the whole thing together and they just slap on a playlist and it's just like <laughs> why? Why, mm-hmm. why why wouldn't you go through you know not even about cost or resource it's just about thinking it's just about strategy and making sure that you have a partner in there who can take that burden off of you to make sure one it doesn't do harm because as we you know, spoke about it can do if you do yeah. it wrong, and do harm to your experience and if you're charging $300 for a massage you can't have something that's distracting like that it takes you out of the experience and makes it something that the guests don't want to come back to you need to make sure that it's thought about properly that it is the equivalent of exactly what you're trying to achieve both with your branding uh, principles but also with your experiential uh, principles what are you looking to deliver in terms of uh, a mode of outcome and, and make sure that you have a, a proper soundtrack to it because otherwise if, if you're not doing that eventually the market's going to move, others will, and um, that location will be left behind because people are going to value audio. We know in the consumer side that you know, 90% of the, uh, the population, particularly younger generations, already utilize audio as a mental health device and tool regularly in their own consumption patterns. And we know that there is a very clear parallel to what people use in their own homes to what they come to expect in luxury environments and, and sort of those, uh, those moments where they're actually looking to do something for themselves. So they're going to come with a level of expectation and it will grow towards this, particularly as audio is, is perceived, uh, the perception of audio shifts to being understood that it's a tool and not just an art form. Yeah, that is incredibly interesting. So I guess within the last five years where, you know, um, I know Calm's been around for a bit longer, but like the rise in popularity of an app like Calm and um, even just it has become extremely common for the average person to listen to functional music, like whether it is a concentration playlist or a sleep playlist. Obviously, we've spoken about the kind of the licensing argument that might be getting on Spotify, but they're seeking out music for a specific need. And if spas and salons are not 
doing the same, then you're, I guess you are kind of behind the average consumer, which is crazy to even think about. Yeah. And interestingly, so people we we find, so we're obviously, a, 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 we have a label function and we, we distribute across all these major streaming platforms. Um, and we find that across those major streaming platforms in our, in their main radio stations. So this is, you know, like Spotify radio. So when you click on a track and you cack on or you type in uh, sleep, whatever it may be, uh, sleep is as a radio station is constantly in the top five radio stations um, globally across all, all major platforms, which yes, means that people are looking for it more than uh, hip hop, uh, pop, uh, soul, uh, country. You know, all these major genres of music that you think of, you know, when you go to the bar and ask them what your favorite music is, no one says sleep music, otherwise they're, they're nuts. Uh, not that <laughs> everyone actually is nuts if you listen to sleep music, but if you're going into you know, a but drink. for enjoyment, you're not listening to it for enjoyment, are but you? You are, the, the numbers clearly show people are listening to this music, they're seeking it out actively. And, and where our sort of shift perception change was as a, as a label was, we realized that actually people were looking at this in a time of need. This wasn't a time where they were like, okay, you know, I'm bored, I'm going to put some music on. This was like, I can't sleep, help me. You know, that was the time where they were coming to us and finding our music. And so from our perspective, we had an obligation, we had a responsibility to think, actually, you know, what's the evidence base behind this? You know, how can we make sure we're, we're creating music that is optimal and doing the best we can to ensure that we're delivering the best experience possible on the consumer side? And that's where we started developing all these partnerships with um, research institutions starting to do studies like we you know spoke about sleep score labs um we had a we had a very privileged position coming to it from an already sort of uh, extensive streaming base or an extensive consumer facing business that was already operational and functional and, and, and being well trafficked so we, we knew anecdotally in the in the data points what was working and what wasn't but what we didn't understand was we weren't at that point consulting experts in the creation cycle of this music um yeah. people uh, at and still today, people just will type in music to help me sleep and then they'll pick whatever comes up top. But how do you know that's actually the right music for you? Actually, what it is, is it's SEO. So whoever has the best uh, SEO tactics is paying the most to get the best keywords to make sure that when you type it in, that's the one they're listening to. Uh, so it's very, com it's very commerce driven. Is that what you should be listening to? Maybe, maybe they do a great job with it and it's a great product and, and the music's brilliant. I'm a little bit skeptical sometimes. So yeah. I personally believe that, um, you know, music should have a level of compliance. You know, there, there is no compliance obligation for music at all. There's no hoops you have to jump over when it's this. But, you know, this music is being played in hospitals to, to be the soundtrack to surgeries or in the, yeah. or, you know, during labors. You know, this is in, in a high impact, extreme environment. And for some reason, Audio slips through the cracks without any requirement for any compliance or any, uh, you know, uh, legislation that they have to go through. There's no FDA stamp of approval for music, uh, as an example. Um, so, you know, the, the, the big thing for me was I wanted to create a brand uh, that could be trusted and relied upon as a credible expert in the space. And if you found Mindstream, you know that one, our artists are real human, uh, fantastic musicians who spend you know, 30, I mean, Liquid Mind, for instance, he started his career back in the 80s uh, and yeah. he developed into this incredible sleep musician after having been a composer on a hit TV show. He created uh, an album with Michael Jackson. Like he's like, you know, oh he has gosh. a punk band. Like he's a proper musician, a proper musician's musician. And then he went in and, and, and unfortunately had a significant um, uh, mental breakdown himself, mm -hmm. had a panic attack and, and had this whole unbelievable um, sort of evolution within his career decided he wanted to create music to help himself feel better and others and ended up becoming one of the most successful ambient musicians uh to date and and that, that's a proper you know a, a proper reliable source of music in terms of the artistry now what if we put him in a sleep study and understand the data behind it and compare it to other sleep music out there and show okay not only is he a great musician that you can buy into because he's the right kind of you know you, you feel drawn to him as an artist but now you also see the, the supporting data and the science. And if you can get the two together, then I think you've got a, a formula that people can buy into and trust and, and, and utilize in those moments of need. And so by no means are we, are we there. We, we don't have enough uh, data. Um, there isn't enough research out there across the marketplace yet. We really believe there needs to be a lot more done by everyone. Um, you know, but certainly we are, we're beginning to, to push that narrative ourselves. We're beginning to, to conduct studies and we have great research partners who are helping us through it. But, um, you know, you, you do start finding and understanding a little bit more about 
how people come across this stuff. And and right now, I just feel like there needs to be a little bit more um, uh, professionalism in, in, in how things are are delivered, particularly because of the impact, the impact that they have. Well, I think that um, it's, it is kind of that's an issue with across the whole wellness industry, really, even if we're talking about um, aromatherapy and a bunch of um, other almost ancient <laughs> um, things that are still to this day used within wellness. But um, because they haven't got clinical backing, they are not it's not so easy for for this stuff to get prescribed by the NHS. We've got this whole complementary therapies thing going on at the moment where um, people are campaigning for the NHS to be able to recommend a beauty therapist for something that the NHS doesn't necessarily offer, but is part of health and wellness. So yeah, I can definitely see how music is part of that and and the need there so yeah let's hope someone come on let's do some clinical research into this stuff like yeah. i love that little crusade yeah um i don't know if this is going to really wind you up me asking you this now but um one of my questions is i wanted to know what what do you see in the kind of future for sound in wellness and then like ai sure <laughs> No, AI is a, is, a, is a really good question, and it's one of the most powerful tools that we, we have available to us as musicians. And I think um, those who are afraid of it uh, don't necessarily get the value out of it, and certainly yeah. it's about understanding and adapting to the shifting landscape. Because right now where we are, so generative AI has been on the tip of everyone's tongue in a, in a lot of industries, but certainly the music industry. It's been super disruptive. No one understands from a copyright perspective what's going on. Like if a computer generates a musical composition track, who owns it? <laughs> no one knows really at the moment. It's it's really tough to understand it. Yeah. Um, but you know there are different complexities to it. I.e., you know what was the language model trained off of? Was it existing composition? Was it music theory? You know all this stuff. So it, it, it's complicated. But outside of the copyright standpoint, let's say right. Now we understand if you utilize an AI tool, the copyright is assignable to an artist and, and we're good to go. And so we can build a whole strategy around AI. For me, it's not about who's creating the music because on the one hand, you're going to have the artists like Liquid Mind who have you know, 30, 40 years experience creating the stuff and layering the things and, and making it really intentional. And that I think will always have a market um, because it's a human driven artistic pursuit and there's value and, and um, uh, beauty behind what he's creating for a particular purpose. On the other hand, there's super fundamental utility-based music that if you get the right components in, uh, let's say the literature becomes supporting of, if there's enough data points to say, right, frequency-based music at 432 hertz uh, with zero beat with, uh, at this tone and tempo, uh, will achieve this outcome. That is very much an AI sweet spot, right? They can start churning that music really quickly because there's such a clear formula to then deliver mm. it. And Liquid Mind could do the same, but much less of a volume. Like, I think some of these generative AI tools are, are creating like 39,000 tracks a day, whereas, AI, whereas Liquid Minds, I think, created 18 studio albums over a 30-year career. So, so uh, you know, it, it gets to the flip side. For me, it's, it's not about the uh, creation of music at that stage, because if you get to a point, and we're, we're far from this point of where the quality is comparable, right? We're, we're generative AI. If you listen to a Liquid Mind track versus generate a new age music track, which is trying to be similar, and you go onto any of the public available AI generative tools and, and do exactly that test, like listen to a, any Liquid Mind album and then generate your own new age music album and, and really take a listen. There's just a complete, there's a hole, there's a lack of soul in, in the AI stuff, which is almost, it's very hard to describe, but it's, it's not there yet. In my opinion, where AI should get to as a, as a tool, and certainly something we're developing in our own organization, because everyone's got an AI strategy nowadays, uh, yeah. <laughs> is that we are looking to utilize the, the, the formats of language models to then adapt and augment audio to fit particular um, uh, utilities and approaches. So if it's you know, particular frequencies hit different physiological outcomes, you can amend them to, to understand the inputs a little bit better to improve the output. So it just comes down to that, really. Are there any like salons or spas or um, like beauty places out there that you know are using um, sound and music really, really well that you want to give a shout out? It's a good question. I, I would say on the hospitality side more than the wellness side, there are some mm -hmm. really good examples of people who've done it so well. Uh, 
uh, Cafe de Mer is a, is, a, is a great example where mm. their playlists have lived beyond their location for for a long time. Hotel Costas as well, uh, another one where again they just they've known how to create a sonic identity through music, and it's it's sort of um, it's become something that people will, will look for just to hear their, their their sound. So it's easier to do on the popular music side because there's so much you can kind of playlist if you get yeah. a big musician and artist and a particular type of vibe. Let's say you're really into house and that's kind of the the vibe of your resort. That's been done really well. Now what we haven't exper- experimented with, which I would love to find any if any location hears of this and wants to reach out to do an experiment, I'm keen. Uh, I would love to see, can we create like a, a new form of audio to soundtrack a wellness environment, right? Everyone's always gone for nature sounds and new age music. That's been done. I mean, people walk into a spa and they expect to hear Enya. They're probably going to hear Enya, right? I would love it to come in here and do something completely different. You you had a techno experience, which really rocked you and, and wasn't wasn't the right moment. It made it comical. <laughs> we could set up a whole spa environment to be you walk in and it's actually you know ambient techno it's done right you know it's not mm. it's not just in the wrong moments it's actually soundtrack to be you know a rhythm a pulse something that kind of takes you through on a journey and you you know maybe it, you probably have to take it down through octanes take out some of the highs and lows but you know you could do it in a way which is intentional and maybe it would work maybe it wouldn't maybe it, maybe this is a stupid and crazy idea but i would love to test it and i'd love to do that with a whole bunch of things and create something which is unique and interesting so that then people come to it as a spa location and think shit i just went to a techno spa what (laughs) what (laughs) and why did it work you know like i want to i want to have people asking those questions and to my knowledge um no one's done that yet and it it, it can be a lot of fun okay well thank you so much Freddie. i've had a fantastic time talking to you and um have a great week You too. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.